Welcome back, everybody. This is the Man on Fire, John Sublime, bringing you a long-awaited episode of Sons of Thunder. You probably thought, like, where did those two guys go? Where is the dynamic deacon? Where is the man on fire? Did we lose them? Are they still Catholic? What is going on with these guys? And I'm just telling you right now, uh, we're still here. We're actually still Catholic, um, which is amazing uh, in these times. And we're still on fire for Holy Mother Church. And I'm, I'm accompanied by my good brother, my good friend, um, a dear soul of mine, uh, Deacon Harold Brickservice. How you doing, my brother? I'm doing well, John. It's so great to be back with you again. Yeah, likewise, likewise. I know it's, you know, our schedules have been off and so things have been crazy. As a reminder to the listeners, we've obviously combined all of our podcasts onto one platform, the World of Blaze platform. So you're getting a little mixture, right? You're getting now, obviously, Deacon Harold, Burke Sivers, and I on Sons of Thunder. You got the PBK podcast and the different segments we're doing there. Of course, my beautiful, beloved bride, Nicole, and I are back with having to hold. So, you know, we'll keep them coming. We'll keep it busy. Um, we'll give you a little bit of variety. But so, so good to have my brother, Deacon Harold, Burke Sivers, back. And what I want to do, Deacon, today, um, aside of just getting to see your, your your beautiful face and get caught up with you, is because uh, <laughs> you're looking good, brother. You know, the viewers are, you know, yeah, uh, you. should should know that my, my brother here has been working really hard at the health thing. Right. You've been you've been trying out this new diet. Right, Deacon? Yeah, it's you know, and, and the thing is about it, John, it's not really a diet it's just a, a way a lifestyle change really what go. is because i'm have, i'm gonna i'm gonna just be eating this way basically for the rest for the rest of my life and it's a plant-based eating and actually the story is kind of funny so during the pandemic we switched uh insurance plans and so we switched physicians so i went to the new physician and i and i was uh over 320 pounds i was like you know close to 330 i mean the heaviest i've ever been in my life because I've done keto a couple of times, lost a bunch of weight, gained it all back, lost a bunch of weight again. And then during the pandemic, sitting at home for over a year, not being able to do anything, I gained it all back again. Yeah. So obviously the weight was an issue in that visit to the to the doctor. And she said, have you tried plant-based eating? Now, she deliberately did not say vegan. <laughs> she said plant-based eating. Because, of course, vegan carries with it a connotation and, a, sure. and an ideal, you know, uh, that I, I don't uh, aspire to, <laughs> but so she literally said plant-based. I said, uh, no. I said, I'm from New Jersey. I grew up on steak and ribs and burgers and bratwurst, and Italian sausages, no way. <laughs> and she said, you know, she said keto works for people. Keto is fine, but, um, you know, we are missing the carbs from keto. So like, you know, people like yourself, when, when they're craving the carbs and you know, they end up gaining all the weight back, and you've done that twice now, um, but with the plant-based eating, you're you're not missing protein. You're just getting protein instead of from the meat. You're getting it from the plants. And I said, "Come on, you tell me the steak is the same thing as a as a bean?" <laughs> and, she, and she she was very good natured. She laughed, and she said, "Did um, she told me about uh, two things? She told me about Game Changers, which is this documentary on Netflix about the plant-based eating." And it was basically this guy who was an MMA fighter, uh, who was a, a, a martial arts and, and um, combat instructor for the um, armed services for U.S. Army and, and Marines. He taught them basically hand-to-hand -hand combat. Mm. He injured himself. And so on his road back to recovery, he was looking at different ways his body could recover and stumbled across this whole plant-based thing. And so he ended up researching it. And so this documentary is about his research and everything that he found 
mm. going to plant-based. And she said in there, and I watched it for myself, and in there they interviewed a guy who's the strongest guy in the world. Like he wins all these competitions, like pulling trains with his teeth and lifting up the like crazy heavy objects and stuff. And he's a plant-based eater. And so during this interview, he was asked, how could you be as strong as an ox without eating meat? And he said, have you ever seen an ox eat meat? <laughs> and I was like, I was like, that's right. I mean, that makes sense, you know? Yeah. And so I start, and then, then she said that my, for my blood type, that the plant-based eating, you know, my blood type was perfect. It lends itself perfectly to that type of eating, which I had mm. no clue anything about blood type and food intake and diet and stuff. So she goes, try it for a month. And I said, I'm not going to last three days. She said, try it for a month and see what happens. Okay, fine. So then right when I was getting started, you remember I was on Pints with Aquinas with yeah. Matt Frad. Right when I was getting this whole journey started. And um, and, I, and that was in May. And so now, you know, we're, we're almost six months later now. And um, I tell you, John, I, I haven't felt this good since I was in college. You know, I, I'm going to the gym, doing a personal trainer. I'm back on the strengthening. I'm not trying to bulk up like the Hulk or anything. I just told the, <laughs> the trainer that I just want to get toned. I just want to get fit, you know. So yeah. we've been doing these, you know, I'm, I'm doing a push-pull legs routine. Well, push-pull legs core. So I go to the gym four times a week. I do cardio every day, um, except on my travel days, obviously, when I can't get to a gym or, or do cardio. But um, even when I've been traveling, I've been doing um, drop-in member, you know, drop-in visitations at gyms locally at the place that I, so I've been, you know, keeping up my routines. And uh, boy, I tell you, it's been, it's been transformative. You know, and, and that's one thing, John, I need to say to people listening about this holistic approach to the faith. It's body, mind, and soul, yeah. right? So the mind piece was fine because I'm, I'm writing books and intellectually that's been fine. Spiritual, uh, spiritually, it's been fine. Going to confession regularly, praying, liturgy the hours, rosary every day. I mean, all that stuff's been going great, mm -hmm. but then was the body piece that was missing. Yeah. So now that I'm in better balance, uh, I'm better in spiritual harmony. You know, everything else has been enhanced. You know, even my relationship with my wife, everything has been enhanced now since the body has been, you know, really focused on getting my body back to where it should be. So um, so it's been an incredible journey, and, uh, and, I'm, and I'm incredibly grateful. Uh, yeah, and the other thing I'm grateful for is just the, um, is, you know, this this month, this 20 years, I've been ordained a deacon. That's right. It's like my, my 20th anniversary of the Aquila ordination, so... I've been reflecting back on 20 years of service to the church and how I never imagined a million years that that my <laughs> my ministry and my apostle would evolve to what it to what it is now. So I'm, I'm grateful to God for uh, for for all His gifts and His blessings in my life. Amen. I know personally, I'm grateful for uh, your witness, especially when it comes to holy orders. You know, as 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 my viewers know and listeners know, you know, I've been on the journey. All said and done, God willing, I'll be. It'll take me nine years to get. <laughs> ordained uh, if that's what god calls me to but it's god's will god's timing so i appreciate your witness deacon because i think it's uh, been super transformative for my, myself my family and those that have encountered you the second piece is i think going back to you know um you know you sharing a little bit about your your uh journey on um really like you said a healthy way of living right a, a different lifestyle that fits everything you know your, your makeup genetically and all and all that is the the component of 
holistic approach to you know your mind body soul composite and i think such a key point i know that's not why we 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 were going to have during this episode but it's such a key point to say um you know when one of those things are off right it it causes uh it causes some friction in other areas right so um you could now again you could be the most healthiest person physically but but be completely you know morally bankrupt and spiritually dead and and uh you know from a, a, a mental health perspective uh have issues as well so Thanks for bringing that up because I think the listeners need to hear that, right? That we need to battle. We all have our issues, you know. You know me; I'm a foodie, so um, food's always been a struggle for me. I, I work out just so I can eat the way I, I think I, I want to, but um, it's important for us to, to bring that up to the listeners. But getting back to this uh, specific episode, it's it's a topic that we um, visited before, and and I wanted to bring it back up specifically because some of the work that you've been doing lately with regards to research, and that's really around you know kind of catholicism and the uh, the topic of racism and in particular critical race theory uh we we had this discussion before both you and i obviously are of ethnic backgrounds there's a lot of discussion both inside and outside of the church where you have a lot of um you know misinformation uh, misunderstanding um and and quite candidly different camps and schools of thought right i was sharing with you you know as we were preparing for this episode you know i'm reading from some quote-unquote catholic personalities out there right that consider for instance critical race theory crt a a truth-seeking tool um, that uh, ultimately is consistent and congruent with the catholic church and her teachings so catholicism is completely is 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 in line with that and that those of us who think otherwise are really ignorant um, and, and misled. And so I thought what better person to bring on to the, to this topic than yourself, who is literally writing a book and has, has written a book on this very topic. And so, you know, I want to see what your thoughts are on that Deacon so we can help continue to guide our listeners on the path of truth and, and light. So, uh, let's let's kick it off there. Thoughts on the compatibility of um, I'm dealing with CRT. We obviously know racism is always wrong, right? So there, it's that's never compatible with uh, Catholicism. Um, uh, you know, we talked about this at our our previous episode when we talked about you know institutional racism versus racist people within an institution, right? You've you've made this mm-hmm. clear in so many different talks, but definitely in our episode where we talked about we need to kind of determine like we know Planned Parenthood is, is a racist institution because they, they target specifically, right. The black and Hispanic communities, the, the people that are of the lower socioeconomic, um, you know, demographic that's systemically racist because of the, the numbers will show you the data will show you, but let's talk about that relative to CRT and some of the research that you've done uh, in light of the book that you uh, will be coming out with Ignatius press. Yeah, so the book that I have coming out is called Building a Civilization of Love. And that title comes from Letter to Families by uh, St. John Paul II uh, and uh, a a Catholic response to racism. Mm -hmm. So what I did in the middle section of the book, I looked at three different ideologies, three different ways of thinking that um, people are attempting to bring into the church. Um, and, and so I had to look at them now, now people sometimes think the book is about critical race theory, but, but it's not, mm-hmm. uh, all I was trying to do was to see, and I, and I went in with an open mind. I went because I didn't know what critical race theory was. All I read was it's, it's bad. It's, uh, you know, this person was saying this, and this political pundit was saying that, and this 
other person was saying something else. I said, you know, I want to approach this with an open mind. I really want to learn what this is about for myself. So I, I, I said, okay, is there something here that we can use as Catholics to help ameliorate uh, racism, to help close the racial divide, to bring healing and reconciliation? And so I went and got the books from the founders of Critical Race Theory, um, Derek Bell, Richard Delgado, Janine Stefanik, Kimberly Crenshaw. And I read what they had to say because they were the ones who developed this whole thing. Mm. Um, and and you know, it's important to say that critical race theory is just that, a theory, okay? <laughs> like the theory of evolution. It's just a theory. Um, and basically what it is, it's a, a collection of activists uh, and scholars, some of whom I, the four of whom I just named, mm-hmm. um, engaged in studying the relationship between uh, race, racism, and power. And so when they define race, they, they don't think of race um, as a categorical differentiation or biological distinction within a species. So in other words, it's not black, white, Asian, Hispanic. It's not German, Irish, Nigerian, Filipino. So, mm-hmm. so that's what we normally think about. When we think about race. We think about um, cultural distinction, ethnicity, nationality, those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. They, they, they say, the proponents of critical race theory say, no, that's not what it is. What race is about, it's a socially constructed instrument. So it's a social construct. It's something that society has developed, that society has constructed in order to exploit and oppress people of color. Okay, so that's what their, their whole approach is based on that premise. Mm. So, okay, so I'm thinking, okay, where did this come from? Like, wh- where did, the, it just, it seemed to just come, come out of the whole, you know, George Floyd and all the different instances that have been happening with, with uh, uh, police and different, so, so where, where did this come from? Because it wasn't something I heard of even 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. So again, in reading their literature, I was able to trace critical race theory back to, and it gets a little bit convoluted here, so I'll try to, try to explain. Yeah. So it goes back to, to critical legal theory from the 1970s. And what critical legal theory attempted to do was how to look at how um, laws and legal institutions serve the interests of the wealthy and the powerful at the expense of the poor and the marginalized. Mm. So for example, one example I use in the book, uh, there's a, a, a wonderful evangelical preacher um, who I have, uh, who I really like actually. Um, and he, his, his congregation bought a golf course they're just outside of, of Dallas. I'm like, why did they buy a golf course? They didn't buy it like, you know, so their, their congregation could go golfing. They bought it in order to control what was being developed and built around the church. Mm-hmm. Um, so they wanted to create a buffer there. So in learning about the history of the golf course, they found out that it was used to be an all-male, all-white establishment, a golf course. But when the laws changed, civil rights laws changed, um, they had to change the membership for the club. So then, you know, you had to go before the board and they had to, two thirds of them had to approve your application and it was open to, to any, any uh, man, you know, no matter what color they were. But it turned out that they rejected all the application for all the people of color that, mm-hmm. that went. So, so even though the laws changed, the attitudes and the practices of the institutions did not change. That's what critical legal theory looked at. 
That came out of critical theory from the 1920s. Okay. And, and um, critical theory came out of, as it was the offspring of uh, a Marxist inspired hybrid philosophy called dialectical materialism. All right. And so, uh, and I'll explain it in a second. But dialectical materialism comes from the Hegelian dialectic. So um, Hegel was a George Hegel was a philosopher that developed something called uh, the Hegelian dialectic. So basically, you have a thesis and you have uh, an, a, a countering antithesis. So you have uh, an idea, a way of thinking, and then you have something that opposes that, an antithesis, uh, and the tension, conflict, and struggle. Between thesis and antithesis leads to a new synthesis, okay? And that new synthesis now becomes the new thesis, and then has to be countered by another antithesis, and the tension, conflict, and struggle between the two of them leads to a new synthesis. So what Marx did, Karl Marx took that along with not Hegel, uh, I mean, not um, uh, 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 not Hegel, but Freud, but Freud. Mm. So he took it and, and, and combined the, 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 uh, the Hegelian dialectical approach with his, with his atheist materialism. So he took what Hegel did and applied it, not just to, um, philosophy and to, and to hard sciences, but to psychology and sociology and economics. Right. And it was that bridging of his dialectical materialism uh, combined with this Hegelian dialectic that led to uh, socialist communism. So his thesis antithesis was bourgeois, right? On one hand, proletariat on the other hand, and the tension, conflict, and struggle between the two of them led to uh, socialism, uh, to Marxism, to, 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 to socialism. Um, and, and so that's where the Communist Manifesto, which I quote from in the book, that's where that comes from. And so move that back down to critical race theory. So again, there's the tension, conflict, and struggle between uh, the, 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 uh, the white race uh, and then people of, uh, people of color, the oppressed race, the tension leads to a new synthesis, see? And... Mm. You would think that the new synthesis would be about peace, reconciliation, but it's not. It's actually uh, developing further ten tension, conflict, and struggle. So there is no real peaceful resolution uh, in critical race theory at all. In fact, it's not even designed to find ways to, to bring peace between the races. That, that's not what it's designed for at all. And they're very clear about that in, mm. in, in their writing. You know, that's not what it's about. So what I did was, okay, I said, let's compare this to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's compare this to a, a truly Catholic approach to thinking about how we're going to defeat the sin of racism. And critical race theory just, it doesn't work. It doesn't work because that's not what it's designed to do by the very nature of it. So I don't see how any Catholic can say uh, that it's a helpful tool in, in the, uh, uh, to help um, end racism, because it's not. The, the people who developed it themselves say that it's not. So mm. I, I just don't see how, how, how it's compatible at, at all, actually. So Deacon, can you break that open? Because I think last time we talked about this, we talked about 
you know, uh, Christian anthropology being a, a big, you know, part of this all, right? That, and, and the proponents of critical race theory will say it's not, it's not about the individual sin, it's about the sin of society, which you're talking about, this whole social construct and all of this, right? But then there's an underlying, I mean, we see this played out in those who are proponents of it. You see it played out in people who essentially, when they've been kind of overwhelmed by this tidal wave of this theory, that they uh, are embarrassed and um, are, uh, you know, of being, let's just say white. I'm, I'm embarrassed to be a Caucasian, right? Because, because I'm somehow uh, a privileged white person. And then that makes you, if you're, if, you're, if you're not a white person, therefore. So automatically, if you're white, you're privileged. And automatically, if you're not white, especially if you are black, then you are oppressed by the white person um because they have an unfair advantage over you so is that i mean these are some of the different factors at play here so can you speak to that when you talk about comparing this to the gospel of jesus christ where is the incompatibility with critical race theory because you do have those folks on the other side that are saying the exact opposite that no this is actually very compatible to the gospel that there is a focus on again they may be playing into the marginalized and the poor piece of it but you know if somebody really honestly wants to seek we're to do the right thing according to the gospel, trying to be a faithful Christian, how do we help give them some of the, the factors that you considered and have essentially teased out in your research? Yeah, so what, what I did, John, was this. I, in reading, I found that there are basically five main tenets of critical race theory. So I want to take each one by one, again, with an open mind thinking, this is what they're saying critical race theory is about. These are the five main tenets that they propose. Is there anything, even one of them, that we can use as Catholics to help uh, start taking the bricks out of the wall of racism, right? Mm -hmm. So the first one is called, they say that racism is ordinary and not aberrational. So it's, so it's not an aberration. Uh, this tenet states that racism is a given both within human nature and American culture. And, and therefore, that's why it's the normal experience of most people of color, because it's innate within human nature. Whoa, whoa, whoop, 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 right there, <laughs> right there. That's mm -hmm. a problem mm -hmm. because it assumes that the evil of racism is a natural part of human nature, which, of course, is contradicted by Scripture. Uh, in the book of Genesis, you know, it says that we were created in the image and likeness of God. And after he created us, he said he saw God behold what he had made and saw it was very good. Mm -hmm. Right. So our nature is good because it was created by God. So the goodness in us comes from God and forms the foundation of the natural moral law. Okay, that's the law. That's part of God's uh, eternal law that's placed within the heart of every single human being, no matter what race, color, religion, uh, any of that. It, it, it's, and the foundational principle of the natural law says to do good and avoid evil. Right? That's the fundamental principle. Uh, St. Paul talks about it, Romans chapter 1 and Romans chapter 2. So the aberration and the sin comes from the fact when man uses his free will to say no to the innate, um, to the innate character that that uh, he's been given by God. So, so when you're in any relationship, you're free to say yes or you're free to say no. When man uses his free will to say no to God, 
then we lose friendship with God. And so that that um, and that nature that we were created with by God was damaged uh, by sin. It wasn't lost because of sin. It was damaged by sin. Uh, and death was the worst effect of that. So, so natural law then is not compatible with critical race theory, since critical race theory uh, disavows the existence of the natural law and surmises that basically racism is the default setting of human nature and society. Um, and, and so therefore, critical race theory denies the possibility of divine wisdom working in the soul that um, elicits our cooperative free response through which we implement laws within our culture or that are called human or positive laws. Mm -hmm. So from that perspective, it, do it doesn't work. It doesn't work because it denies what God is trying to do within the human soul. It denies that we are innately good. You know, it actually is closer to the, the Protestant idea of, of total depravity, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but, but even then, it denies the fact that, because even in the Protestant way of understanding, God comes into the picture, right? And, and God can restore what was lost, right? Jesus mm -hmm. restores what, what was lost on the cross. They, they deny even that. Mm -hmm. So it, it's just, it just doesn't work. I mean, that's, I, I go into much more detail in, in the book. Right. But, no, I, but I, that's just a quick overview of that first tenet and why it's incompatible with the Catholic faith. Yeah, I mean, if, if you just start there again, going back to that point on Christian anthropology, right, that if we were made inherently evil, essentially, because racism, racism is evil, right, then, I mean, everything that flows after that is, is a mute point because, because of that very fact. Um, and so I think that's the key point we want to be able to be, at least bring out and help people out there again understand because there's a lot of stuff um, again in in the in the culture and society in the media in the political sphere especially when it comes to racism specifically critical race theory as you know people are trying to wrap their uh, arms around uh, education system right and the education of especially our youth you see a lot of this where um, you know these last few years have just been. Uh, really a a struggle when it comes to the unity or the lack thereof um, and the understanding of, of who we are, who God is, and ultimately of who we are as, you know, children of God. And so that was kind of really key because I know there's there's plenty more to come and more to talk about this on Deacon. And I think it's, it's a little bit of a, I guess, a primer to Deacon's book that'll be coming out uh, next year by Ignatius Press that speaks about, again, critical race theory was just a subcomponent of the whole context of what Deacon is talking about with regards to racism yeah. in and of itself. And so I know we talked about this before, but, um, you know, Deacon, any last parting words with regards to those listeners out there, how to approach just even the subject of racism from a Catholic perspective? Yeah, so what we have to do, um, and this is to me is foundational, we have to start seeing the image and likeness of God in the person standing in front of us. Mm -hmm. I know it sounds, you know, um, petty to say things like, I don't want to see color. I just want to see you. But I think that's foundational um, in the sense that when you say, I don't want to see color, you're not denying the reality of someone's cultural heritage. Mm -hmm. um, what, what, what I, when I say that, what I, and I explain this in the book, what I mean when I say that is that the first thing I want to notice about you is that you are made in the image and likeness of God. Mm -hmm. uh, and when I'm able to see you the way God sees you, I'm now able to appreciate all the other uh, cultural and ethnical gifts and talents that you bring. 
I'm able to appreciate that more because I see God in you. Mm-hmm. I'm, appreci- I'm, I'm now uh, able to appreciate the diversity that you bring. Mm-hmm. See, th- that's, that's something I think is foundational. Um, but, but sometimes that involves some, some hard conversations. That involves some, some deep introspection into, you know, uh, whether I have these feelings within myself, where do they come from? Uh, what do I do with them? You know, all, all of those things, just having some very honest conversations about how to, to actually see God, uh, in the per- in each and every person made in his image and likeness. And I go into much more detail in the book, of course, but, but I, I, I said, we have to start there. Amen. And I would echo that. I think it's important for us to get beyond, um, uh, some of these different perspectives out there that really take away from that fundamental reality that, that we have a God who loves us and a God who made each and every one of us in his image and his likeness um, and has great plans for us. And so I appreciate the, the uh, short, concise, uh, but you know, profound uh, discussion on the topic of racism and in particular critical race theory to help our listeners and viewers out there kind of wrestle and tackle this. So again, be on the lookout for Deacon's book that'll be coming out next year um, from Ignatius Press that'll be dealing on, uh, you know, the really the Catholic perspective and the approach to racism in general. So Deacon, before I give any last parting words and shout outs, can uh, you give us your final blessing? Sure. The almighty God bless you and keep you and protect you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, my brother, with the same Holy Mother, it's always good to connect with you and get back on the Sons of Thunder podcast. I want to encourage you all to go visit Deacon's website at deaconharrow.com. Um, go follow him on all the social media, uh, uh, different platforms. See what he has to say. He's been instrumental in my own faith journey and, and for a lot of uh, folks out there that I know that have been impacted by the, the dynamic deacon himself. So go check him out. Check out his pilgrimages, his workshops, you name it. He's, he's all over the place. And so deacon, congratulations on 20 years of service to Holy Mother Church as a deacon of the Catholic Church. Keep up the good work out there. Keep slaying demons and, um, and, and uh, you know, saving souls for Christ, brother. And uh, I look forward to the next time we get together. Yeah, me too. It's It's been too long, and I, I, I really appreciate the great gift that you've been in my life, you and Nicole, and uh, so I, I'm grateful to you, and, and I'm so glad you're part of my life, and he's and he's, uh, part of my 20 years of the diaconate, man, so appreciate you. All right, we'll keep each other in prayer. God bless, and for all those out there that are listening to the Sons of Thunder, stay with us. We're, we, we didn't go anywhere. We're still Catholic. We're still faithful. Uh, we just been busy, but we're not too busy for you. God bless you and keep you. We'll see you on the next show.